Our stereotypical image of a singing cowboy is a white man. Sing, cowboy, sing. We might think of any number of figures from pop culture of the 30s and 40s. Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, Tex Ritter. Sing, cowboy, sing. But according to historians, about a fourth of the cattle workers who settled the West were African-American. In the 20th century, when scholars and hobbyists began to write down the songs these workers sang, a body of classic songs emerged. This was the cowboy song canon. Songs like Home on the Range, Red River Valley, Goodbye Old Paint. Farewell, fair ladies, I'm a-leaving even though you wouldn't know it from our popular culture, many of the cowboys who inspired the archetype of the singing cowboy were African American. From North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, this is American Songster Radio. I'm Dom Flemons. This episode belongs to a six-part series about African-American history in the American West. As I've researched black Western history, I've come to realize its relevance to my own upbringing in Arizona. And that insight has made its way into my music. My new Smithsonian Folkways album, Black Cowboys, explores the black Western experience through music. In this podcast, I'll explain the same experience in conversation with a little help from Folkways curator Jeff Place. In this episode, Jeff and I talk about cowboy song collecting and the black singers who deserve credit for helping found our country's Western musical traditions. Well, let's go back to our conversation live in front of an audience at Pearl Street Warehouse in Washington, D.C. We'll let you uh, get rid of your banjo there for a second. Well, people started collecting folk songs, you know, in the West. And uh, the first important book really came out was John Lomax's Cowboy Songs in 1910. And uh, it had a foreword by Teddy Roosevelt talking about how important the, the music of the people in the United States was. Among the things that Lomax collected were like bits of things from, from African-American cowboys and songs. A lot of the songs in that book became things really well-known later on. Well, absolutely. You know, that was one of the things that really blew me away when I read the, uh, read the liner notes to the Black Texicans album was that I found that that, that was an essential part of their documentation was African-American cowboys singing songs. And, of course, you know, when you look at the Lomax's work after doing the cowboy music, it's like a natural, sort of a natural extension from the cowboy music into the African-American folk song tradition. So, you know, that was something that I thought was interesting in of itself. So to be able to start talking about that, and of course there's the, the wonderful story that, that John Lomax liked to tell about the song Home on the Range and how he learned it from an African-American cook uh, who was said to have worked for Sam Bass, the, the cowboy outlaw. Also, uh, when I went to the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering, I was tipped off about uh, Jack Thorpe. And Jack Thorpe was, he wasn't an academic, but he was the first guy to make a cowboy songster, cowboy songbook. And, and so with Jack Thorpe, one of the things that was part of his story 
is that he talked about when he first became a cowboy, he, he joined a camp that was run by an African-American foreman by the name of Addison Jones. And Addison Jones, he hired mostly African-American cowboys. And so Jack Thorpe came into the camp, and he was drawn in by the sounds of these black cowboys sitting around the campfire playing the banjo and singing songs. And they were singing a song about a horse called Dodging Joe. And it was hearing this song that made Thorpe say, wait a second, cowboy music is unique to other types of American folk music. And I got to document this, and I have to put out a book on this subject. And so all the way, even the documentation of cowboy songs goes all the way back to the African-American cowboys and their role in the, the bigger scheme of it. You know, of course, kind of the social social graces of those times, you couldn't really elevate African-American people up to that level. So you find people, even like Addison Jones, people talk about him in, in the Western books, but they don't mention his race at all. And they just kind of say he was a really well-respected guy. Another guy is Bose Eichert, and the same thing. They don't, just don't mention his race, even though he was one of the most respected guys on the range. John Lomax and his son, Alan, eventually in 1934, were out looking at, at prisoners in southern prisons, really hard prisons, because they felt that they could find people who had been in prison a long time who hadn't been polluted by pop culture or anything new. They knew old songs in purer forms, right? So uh, they, they found, in 1934, they found probably the ultimate songs through Leadbelly, who was from um, Louisiana, and he was in Angola prison and uh, recorded him. It was sort of funny, Leadbelly was living in Texas in like the, the 19-teens, and as we were talking about earlier, it's, there probably was a lot of Wild West culture still there going on around him. And he had this great dream to become a, a, a singing cowboy like Gene Autry in the movies. And so he actually went to L.A. in 45 and lived there for a part of years trying to get into movies. It never kind of worked out for him, but he would do things like when it's springtime in the Rockies and various songs. Yeah. But uh, one of his great songs he performed was a song called Poor Howard. I think that you got that one for us. Absolutely. Uh, I heard a great album of uh, Leadbelly's Library of Congress recordings that featured Poor Howard and the other song I decided to link with it, which is Guana Dig a Hole to Put the Devil In. And I felt like those two fit together really well. You know, I, of course, I could have done When I Was a Cowboy, but that seemed yeah. like such an obvious pick. Yeah. I like to challenge people a little more than that. You know, yeah. that seemed too obvious. Yeah. Maybe next cowboy record we can get yeah. When I Was a Cowboy. But there was an interview with Lead Belly talking to Alan Lomax where he talked about how poor Howard was the first Negro fiddler freed from slavery. And that was Poor Howard's Dead and Gone was his theme song. And I thought that was such a powerful story. And, of course, uh, trying to get this album on the uh, African-American Legacy series, having played this one at the opening ceremonies, paid tribute to Lead Belly at a couple of different uh, tributes, including one at Carnegie Hall and one at the Kennedy Center. I, I felt like this one was justified to be a part of this record. And... Uh, Here's a little bit of uh, Poor Howard, and I tried to do a little reference to Pete Seeger in this arrangement here. Uh, you know, I, I can only, I only got four strings, so I can't do exactly Pete on this one, so I'm, I'm going to do what I can, you know. <laughs> Dead and 
American Songster Radio is produced by Joe O'Connell, David Brower, Vania Kennard, and me, Dom Flemons, the American Songster. Be sure to listen to our other episodes in this series on African American history in the American West. There are six in total. And they're all available right now on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of what we're doing with American Songster Radio, rate the show, post a review, or tell a friend. Until next time, I'm Dom Flemons, the American Songster.